Well, hello, Cornerstone family. It's Wednesday, March the 10th, and you've made it to hump day. You're almost halfway through the week, and we're almost halfway to getting back together again this next week, and I'm looking forward to launching our Jonah series, and I'm excited about that. It's going to be a three-week series that leads us right up to Easter, and we're going to learn some principles from the life of Jonah, and I just can't wait to see you there this next Sunday as we have communion together and we worship the Lord together. Well, yesterday we were in the Old Testament reading, and today I want to jump back over to those of you that are reading in the Gospels plan, today you read John chapter 5 and 6, and I want to read a familiar passage of Scripture from John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. It's the story of the pool of Bethesda. Um, it starts in John chapter 5, verse 1, and it says this, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda, with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. It's a really, really fascinating story, and uh, N.T. Wright tells a parallel story uh, where he paints this picture of an old man who lived in a large castle, if you will, on a large piece of property, but the old man that was living in the house had been ill for many years, and the yard had gotten overgrown, and there was a tennis court in the in the yard, and from the house, you could look down, and you could see that there were two neighborhood boys who had come in and had been playing in the overgrown yard and garden, and they discovered the tennis court, but they didn't know what to do with it. They'd never seen anyone playing tennis before, but the markings on the ground, they figured out it must have been for some sort of game, and the net was sort of slack in the middle of the court. The only ball that they had was a was a soccer ball, and so they invented a game of kicking the ball over the net to each other and trying to land it within the lines, and it, it, it more or less worked, but it, it wasn't the most exciting game ever invented. But one day the old man's son came from abroad to visit his father. And he was looking out the upstairs window down the overgrown garden. And he saw the boys playing their made up game on the tennis court. He quickly went to the closet and he collected an armful of tennis equipment. The boys were worried when they saw him coming. They, they thought maybe he would be angry, but he wasn't angry. He just asked them a simple question. He said, wouldn't you like to play the real thing? And they said, well, what's the real thing? And he said, tennis, of course. Here, I'll show you. And so in a few minutes, he swept the leaves off the court. He tightened up the net. He handed each of the boys a racket, and he began to teach them the difficult but rather more rewarding sport of tennis that the court was built for. And N.T. Wright tells this story as a reflection of John chapter 5 and the Pool of Bethesda because the Pool of Bethesda was a well-known place of healing in the first century. It was in Jerusalem itself. It's just north of the temple area. It's actually been excavated. You can you can see it. It actually sits at the spot right where the traditional Via Dolorosa begins. You can see the Pool of Bethesda. The original site's been excavated, and evidence suggests, though, that this was not just a healing place for first-century Jews. Evidence suggests that this was a pagan healing site as well. The pagans regarded it as a sacred site. And at one point, it looks like that there's a spot that was dedicated to the healing god Asclepius. And so it's rather interesting. The way it seemed to 
have worked uh, was that the waters in the pool would bubble up periodically. And when that happened, the first person to get in would get healed. And I guess some people thought that the the bubbling of the water was caused by an angel. Um, the, in 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 some translations, there's a John chapter five verse four. Um, that's not in most modern translations. It gives this explanatory note that says what happens when the water was stirred, or that an angel stirred the water. That's not in the original text, and so uh, that's just kind of tradition that that's what it's thought that an angel stirred the water. Um, but what seems to be fairly clear is that this is not really a a godly divine site this is a pagan this is a this is an unusual ritual site and what i mean by that is this is not the way god works if you think about it the guy who jesus talks to has been sick for 38 years and so this was this sort of cruel game at the pool of bethesda that when the waters would bubble up or the waters were stirred that really the the least sick of the sick people would get healed because the really sick people can't get there on their own or they have to have somebody to take them and put them in the water. And so it was the really the least sick or the people who had the most help already would get healed. And those that were the most helpless would lay and continue to be helpless. And that's not the way God works throughout the scriptures. We see God reaching out to, we see Jesus in his earthly ministry, reaching out to the least fortunate, to those that are disenfranchised, to those who don't have someone to help them. And so um, my opinion, along with many other New Testament scholars, is that this pool of Bethesda was not a, a Jewish uh, site. It had been adopted by Jews, and there were certainly Jews that, that went there, but that this was an, this was an ancient sort of mystic, uh, mystic pagan site. Because this is not the way God works, right? And and so it's almost like the two boys uh, playing a made-up game on the tennis court. These people had gathered around this pool, and they were like, okay, this is the way it works. The minute the water gets stirred, if you get in the water first, then you win. You know, you get healed. And Jesus comes along, and he looks at this guy, and he's like, would you like to play the real game? Would you like to be a part of the real thing? Because this is not the real thing. This is not the. This is not what really God intends to do. It's not that one person has shown favoritism because they're the strongest of the of the weak people. But He came for the weak. He came for the sick. And Jesus looks at this guy who's been there thirty eight years, and he he asks them a, a rather strange question. He says, "Would you like to get well?" And the guy's answer is really amazing. His answer is, "I can't." I can't because I have no one to put me in the water when the, when the water bubbles up. Somebody always is stronger than me. Somebody always has a helper. Somebody always gets there ahead of me. And so this guy has lived by the made up rules for so long that he's convinced that God can't help him because he can't get to the water. And Jesus looks at him and he says, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Now we're told, parenthetically later in the story in verse verse 10 that this miracle happened on the sabbath and that the jewish leaders got all upset because jesus told the man to work on the sabbath to pick up his mat and to walk and and so the the irony of this that that jesus is inaugurating he's giving us a glimpse of what the kingdom really does that the kingdom is not about some made-up game of stirring the water and whoever can get there first is healed but rather jesus is saying you can have you can have real wholeness in the kingdom you can have new life new creation in the kingdom and and here the people are being critical because of the day of the week that he did it on. And so it's super interesting because when Jesus walks into the pool of Bethesda, when he walks into that area in Jerusalem, John is trying to show us this is the true son of God. 
that that he he is going to do what the pool stood for, but hadn't been doing very successfully because the sickest amongst that group weren't getting healed. And so, as with many other times in Jesus' ministry, a word is all it takes. Jesus just speaks a word to the man that that he can stand up, pick up his mat, and walk, and instantly the man is healed. And, and we aren't even told that the man believed. Clearly, he must have. He must have done what he what Jesus said to do because the, he gets healed. Uh, but now he finds himself in the midst of this new new kingdom that's being inaugurated and a new way of life in which he is no longer a cripple. He is no longer has to go every day for, for 38 years. He's been lying there for 38 years. Can you imagine waking up the next day and going, what do I do with myself now that I have, and now that I'm no longer crippled now that I no longer have to go and sit by the pool and wait and hope. And so as with many gospel stories, Jesus fulfills the hopes and the longings that people had. This guy had this longing for 38 years to be to be healed, but his longing was never fulfilled by the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus walks in in a moment. And it's also important to know that Jesus is there during one of the great festivals. And so these great holy days, these great festivals, people came to Jerusalem hoping that God would touch them, hoping that God would hear their prayers, hoping that God would forgive them. And so symbolically, Jesus is in Jerusalem at the time of, time of this great festival, and, and he is doing for this man what no pool, what no sacrifice, what no visit that to the temple could ever do. And, and Jesus is fulfilling these hopes and beliefs. And even it, notice if this is a pagan site, the, the pagan beliefs are messed up. They're half formed. They're, 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 they're deformed, if you will. But Jesus is even fulfilling the hopes of pagans for healing. And so there, there's something very beautiful about the kingdom of God breaking in and touching earth in this moment. And the point of, uh, part of the point, at least of this gospel is, of this story is that that if salvation is of the Jews and if Jesus is now bringing salvation, that it must spread out from the Jews to the wider world. And so it's super important to understand this was not a Jewish site because all of these pagans, all of these other people that would have come to see, they would have seen Jesus healing this man. They would have seen the kingdom of heaven breaking in. And so now all of a the sudden there's a responsibility on that Jewish community to expose the rest of the world, the pagan world, the, the, the Gentile world, if you will to the good news about Jesus. And so it begins to shine very brightly, this light that Jesus brings and, and the, the, the pagan shrine, this pagan pool, this pool of Bethesda points dimly to the healing that Jesus was bringing. And, and, and this, this pool is kind of like playing soccer on a tennis court. It wasn't going to work. It was, it was never, it was never going to be right. But when Jesus walks in, he shows all of them, Jews, Gentiles, pagans alike. He shows them, this is what it really is supposed to look like. God touching earth, God healing the sick. And, and it's a beautiful image. It really is a beautiful image as this man who's been there every day for 38 years, hoping upon hope at the word of Jesus. He just bends down. He picks up his mat. And he walks off for the first time in 38 years. Think about that. 38 years, he's had to have someone bring him there and drop him off in the morning so that he could sit and hope and wait. Perhaps he even slept there overnight sometime. So he would be there first thing in the morning. We don't know. But for 38 years, he never walked in there on his own. But on that day, when Jesus walks in, he walks out 
on his own power. It's a beautiful story. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we no longer have to play soccer on a tennis court, that you came so that we could have the real thing, so that heaven could touch earth. And so, Lord, I pray for my church family right now, those who are desperately in need of a touch from heaven right now, I pray that you would touch them, Lord, that you would you would speak your word to them of hope and life and healing. I thank you for it, Jesus. Lord, I pray for my church family today. I pray for healing and hope in your name. Amen and amen. God bless you. I'll be back tomorrow.